Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of After the Whistle with Dolores. I am so excited to talk to y'all again. It has been a minute, um, but some good stuff has been happening in basketball and it's perfect time to talk about it. Um, we're gonna, this is our Team USA episode um, with the Olympics going on, all eyes are on Tokyo. We've waited a year with COVID and now we have the world's best, world's best athletes in one place. And I am beyond excited to talk about it. Um, as you guys know, I am Dolores Jordan. Um, After the Whistle is a way for us to talk about women's basketball um, on all levels um, in a very open way. Um, we don't leave no, we do not leave any stones unturned, and we just go for it and go after it. Um, so we will not, we will do the same thing in this episode. Um, our first topic this week um, is just Team USA. As I said, it's our Olympic episode. Um, so we're just going to dive right in. Um, one of the biggest things I think, or the one of the funnest things about this year's Olympics was the introduction of the 3x3 basketball. Um, any people that follow basketball, 3x3 is somewhat of a newer um, way of playing basketball professionally. Um, we saw Americans kind of get into it with Skyler um, in the early 2010s. Um, and now we see it kind of entering into the Olympics. Well, this team this year was crazy. Um, so the initial team started off with Alicia Gray, um, Stephanie Dawson, um, Kelsey Plum, and Katie Lou Samuelson. Um, that team went to a qualifying tournament um, and earned their spot into the Olympics. At the time, um, America was not one of the best 3x3 three 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 teams um, because we were so new to the sport. Um, and so we had to do a lot to get into the Olympics. Well, shortly before the Olympics took off, um, Katie Lou Samuelson um, was removed from the team because um, of COVID. Um, so Jackie Young from the Las Vegas Aces had to step into that role. Um, and we knew that that would kind of change the dynamic of the team. Um, if you know Katie Lou Samuelson's game, she is a knockdown three-point shooter. Um, so losing her and her size um, definitely was somewhat of a detriment to the team, um, specifically because that team had been practicing together um, and getting ready specifically to just go to this Olympics. But um, the 3x3 team got to Tokyo and they did not disappoint. Um, 3x3 is a short game. Um, anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes is about how long you will see the girls play. So you got to be on it from jump, on it from jump. And the player that was on it from jump was Alicia Gray. Um, this is her tribute. Um, Alicia Gray was the X factor in Team USA winning this Olympics. Um, if you think you can debate me about this, I got the stats um, and it's time to talk about them. Um, so in individ individual statistical leaders um, for this year's Olympics. So points per game, um, the top 10 players. Um, Kelsey Plum led, um, she had 6.1. Alicia Gray was number nine on the list at 5.3. So she was number nine out of 10 um, of the top 10 in points per game. Then we're gonna slide on over to player value. Player value. In nine games played, Alicia Gray had 68.4% um, player value. The next highest American was Stephanie Dolson at four. Um, and then Kelsey Plum was at eight. Kel um, Alicia Gray's player value was 10 points higher than the next person. 
So if she was first place, second place was 58.8%, almost 10 whole points higher um, than the next highest person in terms of player value. Then we go into shooting efficiency. Alicia Gray was number five in shooting percent, um, shooting efficiency. Then in shot shooting value, Alicia Gray was number six in shooting value. Then to highlights per game, Alicia Gray was second in highlights per game. In block shots, Alicia Gray was number one in block shots. In key assist, Alicia Gray was number six. She filled the stat sheet. She did everything for this team. She did not just score. She did not just, you know, she wasn't just a lockdown defender. She did everything. When Team USA needed a big stop, a big rebound, she got it. When they needed a three-point shot, she got it. She did everything for this team. Um, in 3x3, three three, of course, you can't win with one player. But in a sport where um, the media market certain players, this was America's time to really market Alicia Gray um, and tell her story. Um, I tweeted, I was like, I want to see someone go all the way to Sandersville and tell, talk to her second grade teacher because I think her impact on this team was that big. Um, she earned the stardom um, of the 3 by 3x3 win this year. Um, so this is, you know, our time to applaud Alicia Gray for making history and winning the first gold medal um, for 3x3 um, in U.S. history. Um, so, yeah, that's all shout-outs to her. Um, I think moving forward, I hope that this win shows the women's basketball community, the whole basketball community, just how important um, Alicia Gray is. Um, I think, personally, I think she's being underutilized in Dallas. I think the team is not um, gearing itself towards her skill set. Um, and I hope that's something that Coach Johnson sees um, after seeing what Alicia Gray accomplished in Tokyo. Um, one of the best moments, I think, of this Olympics was seeing Shell Swoops, who we know is one of the GOATs in the women's game, tweet her and congratulate her for the win because she knew how important Alicia was to this Olympics. Um, so, yeah, we got to give Alicia her flowers um, for that. Um, if y'all have any thoughts, of course, use the hashtag um, ATWD, um, and we can continue the conversation about Alicia's accomplishments. Of course, I have to... Um, give shout out to Kelsey Plum and Stephanie Dolson and Jackie Young, who also contributed. You cannot win a title off one person. Um, those players all had great games throughout. Kelsey was big in scoring. Um, Stephanie was really big in getting on the boards and um, getting those easy twos with her size. Um, Jackie was not down defender um, and always was there to get, you know give the starters some rest. Um, so just turn up for um, three three x three. I can't wait to see. Um, 3x3 in the next Olympics, hopefully. Um, I can't wait to see what the w WNBA or USA Basketball does to um, make 3x3, to build on the momentum. Um, so many people were tweeting about 3x3, so many guys. Um, you know, we always get the kitchen comments about staying, but I saw more men saying, oh my God, 3x3 is amazing. You know, these women are, you know, the best. Um, so I want to see more of that um, and the WNBA specifically building on that and developing you know, a crop of USA players that if they don't make the 5x5 five five, or if they don't even see themselves as a 5x5 five five player competing for 3x3, um, so many people were tweeting and they were saying, you know, they want to see like a Kennedy Carter or a Rike Gumawale, um in a 3x3 setting. And I mean, that's, I, I could see it. Like, you know, players that can beat somebody off the dribble, um, players that are quick, that can score. Um, those are players that you want to see in 3x3. So hopefully we can see some of those 
um, ladies in the next Olympic cycle. Um, moving right along, um, this segment I have to attribute to my favorite women's basketball player. You can call me biased. Dolores is an Asia Wilson stand, and this Olympics has shown us the rise of Asia Wilson. Um, I, like I'm, I'm kind of in awe. I think every year Asia is a player that continues to show us that she continues to grow. She is indispensable, and she is going to be by the time her career is over in the goat conversation, if not the goat of them all. Um, on a team that is stacked in the post, at her position, you've got Stewie who can play the four, you've got Tina Charles, you've got Fee, um, and then you've got BG playing the five, you've got Sil playing the five. Those are some of the best players at every level, on the college level, on the professional level, and a lot of them already had Olympic experience. So to see Asia come onto Team USA, and I'm going to give you the stats in a second. Come on to Team USA and be the best player on both ends of the ball. Both ends. Both ends. Um, she, her scoring has sparked the team. Her defense shutting down some of the team's best post players. Um, guarding, you know, defending guards, quick guards at that. Blocking shots, getting key rebounds, getting steals. She has been everywhere. It's like you can... I feel like for me, you can see her game start to fill out. And this is without her shooting threes. Like this is just her choosing to be everywhere on defense, being efficient on offense. Her first two games, she was at 60% from the field. Her last game that happened last night, she was at 75% shooting from the field, 20 plus points. She's averaging a double-double in Olympic competition. And she is just the player for Team USA that when they need a go-to bucket, get Asia the ball. And when you need a stop on defense in the post, put Asia around the ball. Um, it's been amazing, specifically considering so many people, you know, there's always the Stewie talk, there's the Diana the Sue talk. Those three players have been the players, you know, that everyone was kind of looking to to take the Team USA reins and lead them to gold. When it's the first time Olympian that is in Tokyo, not showing that she feels any pressure, taking what the defense gives her, and just being that player. She is being that girl for Team USA, period. Um, and it's been great to watch. Great to see her step into her own. As a first-time Olympian, she's still just 25 years old. Um, it's it's so dope. It's so dope. Um, so, yeah, all, all love um, to Asia. And her birthday's coming up. Um, that's so exciting. Um, so yeah, to see her possibly win a gold medal with Team USA has just been amazing. Um, continuing our talk about Team USA, um, things did not start off, you know, great for Team USA. Um, going into the Olympic break, there was the long-awaited um, exhibition with the All-Star, um, the Amer you know, the WNBA All-Stars. Then shortly after that, um, Team USA lost an exhibition, ma exhibition match to Australia. Um, without Liz. Um, and that kind of raised some eyebrows. You know, we were trying to see what's going on with Team USA. Um, Diana was out with injury. Um, and the team just looked flat. They didn't have that player, that go-to player. Um, they weren't making shots from the perimeter. Um, the, the guards weren't really getting the ball into the paint. It was just one of those games where you're looking like, Team USA, you're the best in the world. What are you doing? Um, so it was. it's been interesting to see 
um, after that exhibition, how the team has grown. Um, and I know a lot of people are still very shaky about Team USA as it relates to what they're doing in the Olympics currently. But I honestly believe that I can, I'm seeing this team kind of find their identity. Um, I think as they play tougher competition, they're starting to realize, you know, our money is made in the post. If we play inside out, we can beat anyone. If we play at our best, we can beat anyone. But I think even more so than that, on the defensive end, you see this team starting to understand that we can score, but if we cannot stop teams from the three, um, we're going to struggle against the best in the world. Um, and so we're seeing um, Don shorten the rotation. Um, Asia's playing more minutes. Stewie basically doesn't leave the court. Um, you're seeing her kind of rely on those players to win her games when it matters. Um, and so, you know, I think these are great signs because the team hasn't been together as they're, you know, as they're made for long. But I, I feel like I'm seeing them each game kind of gain trust in each other. Who's our go-to? Who do we need to get the ball to in these situations? Um, so I'm excited to see what happens um, as they start to get into the medal rounds because Belgium is looming. Um, and that if that is who we meet in the finals, it's going to be crazy. Um, so I hope I'm right about this team gaining momentum um, because if we don't, we could potentially lose the streak. And everyone knows that that would be a disaster um, for Team USA. Um, the women are basically a lot to win these gold medals. So hopefully they can continue to figure it out um, and, and, and get where they want to be. Um, I do have some hot takes because, yeah. <laughs> um, a few days ago, um, some Twitter personalities were, you know, saying how they didn't like that Nafisa wasn't seeing the court. Um, they didn't like that Diana wasn't seeing the court in crunch time. And I'm just here to tell you, because period, I'm Dolores, and I'm going to say what I got to say. Um, Fee should not have made the Olympic team. Diana should not have made the Olympic team. And the reason I say that is because when you look at this team and who they have, you've got Sue Bird, Chelsea Gray, Skylar Diggins running the point. Then you've got a crop of post players who are the best. And then you've got Jewel, who's a two. You've got Ariel, who's a two. No, when the committee selected this team and you look at the makeup of the team and the teams in previous years, think about Maya Moore, Angel McCautry, Tamika Ketchings. Those players were that, that three player, that small four in that small four position who were locked down defenders who usually were getting steals leading to fast breaks and were knocked down shooters and not in lockdown defenders. That's the thing that's missing from this USA roster. That player that you can stick in the game and her man is going to be in hell. Her, the, her, whoever she's defending is going to have their worst game. Whoever that player is defending has to play when they're in the game together. They've got to play on both ends because they're going to stress them on offense. And then when the other players on defense, they've got to worry about that player getting a bucket. And so many people on Twitter have said, you know, a player like Kalia Copper and Alicia Gray, those two players, when I think about a player at the three position that Team USA could use, those are the players. Um, currently, we've got Stewie in that position and she's playing so many minutes because when the committee selected this team, they 
I don't know if they forgot or they just chose to not get a player that X factor player that, you know, they might not score the most points. Um, but they do the, the dirty work on defense. Um, they get the clutch baskets. They get the clutch steal. And we don't have that right now. Um, you basically, you're playing three post players and two guards, two small guards. And I think it would, it would have been great in this cycle for them to introduce new blood, take, you know, let Diana sit um, this Olympic cycle. Um, she's got four gold medals. She's not the healthiest. Um, she had to leave the last game with a, a, a knickknack, you know, wrist injury. Um, I think it would have been great to see new blood enter this Olympics in that position where we saw people like, you know, Maya and all those people make their names on the USA side of the ball. Um, it, it just would have been nice um, to see. And it's, no, you know, no shade to DT and honestly no shade to Fee, but we, we haven't seen Fee play um, a lot when she's in the game. It hasn't been smooth. Um, and, and, and it doesn't seem like Coach Staley can trust um, some of the players that she's choosing to bench. Um, so, yeah, that's that's that. That's how I feel about that um, in that case. So, yeah, that's my, you know, wrap up on Team USA. I, I will say um, I was watching the game last night and Carol Lawson basically made a comment about Stewie being the most indispensable player on the USA roster because she's playing so many minutes. And my... My take is a little bit different. I don't think she's the most indispensable player. I think she's the player that's playing because she has to. Um, and I don't think that goes hand in hand with indispensable. Why? Because it's not like the Olympic Committee did not have other options to go to at the three position. It's not like Stewie would not have been a starter if they chose to play her at the four. They strategically went away from the players that I just talked about and didn't give them a shot at the Olympics in favor of, you know, Sue and Diana's experience and then bringing in Thea as young blood. But Thea's not playing. Diana barely plays. And then Stewie's playing 30 plus minutes per game. And offensively, she's not doing as much. She's, you know, better on defense. But even we saw last night against quicker guards. Her, her size is it was a hindrance to her. Um, she's not as quick. Um, she was getting beat off the bounce. We saw Gabby Williams kind of putting her in a blender throughout the game because you don't have someone that is, you know, that same size, that same athleticism that can you can put on a player like a Gabby Williams and say, no, she's not. She's not. She's stopping at five points. We couldn't do that last night. Um, and so that's my take on that. Um, if we're going to talk about indispensable, it needs to be Asia Wilson. Tell me this team wins three games without Asia Wilson in the Olympics. And I don't believe you. <laughs> you know, there's no way. With, with, if Asia was not on the court these last three games, I don't see them winning all three. They might have won two out of three. They might have won one out of three. They don't win those games without her. Um, so that's my take on indispensable. Moving on um, to our next topic. Um, if you watched our last episode or listened to our last episode of After the Whistle, we talked a little bit about, you know, Candice Dupree, um, and we have good news for you. Um, Candice Dupree is now a member of the Atlanta Dream. Um, whoop, yes, you know, some people have been calling it. I think it's the perfect move. Um, she's probably going to be make, making more there than she was at Seattle. Um, she is the player they need. They needed a veteran player. 
um, that puts their foot down, talks some sense into the drama of ATL, um, someone that's solid. I think in terms of the leadership um, placement, it's perfect. Um, one area where I think it could be a challenge for them is Atlanta does not have great size in the paint. Um, if you know Candace Parker's game, she's going to knock down any shot within the three-point line. All that's her range. Um, she's a great um, mid-range shooter in a game where mid-range shooting is kind of starting to move away. You're either, you know, getting to the rim or you're shooting the three. Candace Parker fills all that space inside the three-point line. Um, so they'll get that. Um, she's a career 10-plus point um, shooter per game. Um, so they'll get that scoring. Um, but I think where this could kind of mess with them is against teams in the league that are bigger at the four and the five. Kansas is not humongous. They don't have anyone that's, what, six, four plus on the team that can really defend uh, Sylvia Fowles or um, John Cole Jones. Those are going to be matchup nightmares. So I think if they want to make the Dupree trade work or the Dupree pick work, I say you go back and pull Kalani Brown in so that you have the big, you know, that big post-to-post -post passing. You have someone that can get some rebounds. Um, but I think in the leadership, as a leadership pick, it works. Um, I'm interested to see what happens on the court. Um, also in Atlanta news, Darius Taylor um, is now the interim head coach for that team. Um, Mike Peterson, of course, stepped down, citing some health concerns. And I think a lot of people saw that coming. Um, with everything that had been going on with the Atlanta team. Um, so it's exciting to see a black coach enter the league um, and to see what he can do with Atlanta. You know, it's his first shot um, as a head coach. He's worked with Candace Dupree before. Um, so I think he knows enough about her game to be able to, you know, work around her. And with her not being at the Olympics, of course, she can get in the gym and do some practicing with that team um, and see if Atlanta can make a run um, to, in, to finish the WNBA season. So, yeah. That's the Atlanta news. Um, this won't be a long episode today, um, but, I, I, you know, we want to get this tea out for you and talk about it. Um, our, our next topic is my way too early college predictions. This is when I want you guys to get involved. As I told you, use the After the Whistle with Dolores hashtag. Um, message us at Black Bridges. Um, DM me at Get This Dance. Um, we want to hear what are the teams in college basketball that you think are going to possibly make a run this year. I think, you know, you've got UConn, you've got South Carolina, you've got Stanford. Those are my three, you know. Those are the three that I think are going to separate themselves from the rest um, in terms of being national contenders. But who's that team that you think could either slip in to the Final Four or who's that team that could upset one of these teams' chances? I say look to the Pac-12. And I know that's cliche considering what Arizona did. Um, but my eyes are away from Arizona. I mean, Arizona will do Arizona. I think they'll still have a great year. Um, but Oregon State, Oregon, UCLA, those three teams, I think if they can get the pieces that they have to work together, those teams can be dangerous. Um, so look, um, get your eyes on the Pac-12, but I want to hear what you guys think. Um, South Carolina, of course, I think they take the um, SEC. Um, I think, hot take, I think Texas takes the Big 12. Um, Maryland, of course, is going to take 
the Big Ten. Um, I think the ACC is between NC State and Louisville. Um, sprinkle some Virginia Tech in there for a surprise pick. Um, and then UConn, of course, will run through um, their conference. But who do you want to see? Who do you think will be the team that slides into the Final Four and upsets some perennial powerhouses? I want to hear your takes. Again, use the hashtag ATWD after the whistle with Dolores. Um, and, of course, DM or message us on the timeline when we talk to you. Um, and then finally, we who like who is who has not been excited about NIL? Like seeing athletes possibly make the money that their athletic departments, their college programs were making off of them, seeing that money now enter these college athletes' pockets, NIL is amazing. Um, and I can't go without talking about Aaliyah Boston getting the deal with Bojangles. Um, it's Bo time. Bo for Boston, okay? That, to me, that is why you go to powerhouses, specifically with NIL. Like, your your name is everywhere. You, you, you know, you see players like Paige Beckers um, at UConn. You see Aaliyah Boston at South Carolina. See Haley Jones at Stanford. Um, you have these great players that, of course, we're going to go to these great programs with great coaches. But now, with their name attached to these great programs, these players are now going to be able to make money off their name, image, image and likeness. And you have got big brands like Bojangles who are going to be reaching out to these athletes and allowing them to make money and be the face of their organization and prepare themselves for life after college. You know, they'll leave their schools with a degree. They'll leave their schools possibly going to the WNBA. They'll also leave college with deals that some WNBA players still don't have. So for me, I think it's so dope because it, it's bringing our eyes to, um, it's bringing our eyes to these college athletes and allowing us to see them not just on the court, but see them, you know, on billboards, on posters, on TV, making money and possibly bringing more eyes and more viewership to women's college basketball and to the WNBA. Um, so I think it's a great decision. Um, I'm excited to see where we go from here. Um, but yeah, super excited for NIL, super excited to see the rest of the Olympics and super excited for the WNBA to return. Um, chat with us. Can't wait to do this again with you guys on After the Whistle. Um, love you all. Have a great day.